Listener production. Hi, this is Lemo here on Footy Talk. About to be joined by Tom Brown. A massive show today as we dissect the Sydney v Geelong draw slash snooze fest last night at the SCG. Also, will Damien Hardwick be coaching the Gold Coast Suns next year? We have the answer for you in just a few moments. When will Clarko be back at North Melbourne? And how many private jets does Taylor Swift own? Welcome to your daily dose of footy, the latest news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFL. Limo here today with my co-host Tom Brown, who's just flown in from Sydney from the game overnight. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Limo. 6am flight this morning, so I'm bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I'll be exhausted by (laughs) 3 o'clock. I'll watch the Pies this afternoon. Yeah, indeed. A big game for the Pies this afternoon. But last night, uh, a cracker at the G in terms of how close it was. Uh, but how did that first ever draw, if you can believe it, between these two sides? Uh, your analysis of the game, Tom? Sydney was dominant in the first half and should have had a decisive lead at half time. They're only eight points up, the Swans at half time. I think they'd had at least eight more scoring shots. Mm. So they should have been, you know, four or five goals up, Sydney. And you just always had the feeling that Geelong at some point, they're too good. The Cats, they've got nine lives. They're, they're always <laughs> going to come back. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and the. Inaccuracy of the Swans plagued them in the first half and got worse in the second, which was significant. And uh, in the end, I think Sydney was lucky to have a draw and Geelong were lucky that Sydney kicked so inaccurately. And uh, I think uh, Chris Scott's summation of the uh, situation was pretty accurate post-game. I don't think it'll go on the uh, name a game series <laughs> to ordering a CD or, or, a, or, <laughs> what or did, a tape. How did you describe it earlier today? I said it was the best, worst game I've ever seen. The intensity was there. The skill yeah. execution was horrible. And it was just, a, it was a strange, strange night. And it was, you could feel it in the crowd as well. Everyone was just perplexed by the result. There were so many skill errors and unnecessary ones. Were the conditions tough on the ground? Yeah, the breeze was roaming, well, roaming, we'll get to that shortly. <laughs> the breeze was going left to right across the ground towards the Fox Studios, which is effectively a cross breeze. And at the Paddington end, it made it, it meant you were kicking against the breeze. And at the opposite end, the Randwick end, it meant you were kicking in a swirly breeze. So it was, it, it definitely affected things. But it started out that way. But at the end, I think it just became psychological as the game went on. It just it got in players' heads, in particular Hickey and Fox. And uh, it was just a shocking situation as far as Sydney in particular were concerned. Yeah, Geelong seven goals, 12 isn't great. But Sydney six goals, 18. Uh, we plucked out a few of their uh, more laughable misses. We've got a nice little package here for you. First score of the season coming up for Tom Hickey. Pokes it and misses from 15 metres out. McLean takes them up. Normally an accurate drop punt. Kicks from 30 metres out and the goal umpire working overtime. Hickey, look out. What's going through the mind of big Tom Hickey? Now he kicks directly in front. 35 metres out. It's another poke. McDonald's out here. Oh, he dropped the mark. And Soccer's off the ground. Oh, if the Fox should put the Swords in front. Oh, he's in the oh, This time, Isaac Heaney minus score, scores level. Isaac Heaney had five shots at goal and kicked two behinds. Yeah, zero, zero goal seven from Heaney, Hickey and Fox from ten shots at goal. <laughs> Not great. You couldn't make that up. And the Fox one, he was running into the open goal with oh. roughly a minute to go to basically win the game after all these misses and hit the post. You I, couldn't actually try to hit the post. No, you could try that a hundred times. And you and wouldn't you, get it. You couldn't miss. You couldn't possibly miss. Uh, great seeing Buddy Franklin's reaction 
uh, up in the box as well. Because Bud, Bud, it's probably going to be his last year, and he'll want to play finals. A hundred percent. And Bud, as we know, is a student of football, and he's he's unbelievably mm. knowledgeable at the game, like the greats in any sport. And he could just look at his his facial expressions summed up the night. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, they had a uh, an absolute mare around goal. How did the coaches see it post-match? Chris Scott had this to say in regards to whether it will uh, go down in the almanacs of football history post-game, Rudy. Yeah, I think if someone had have said at the start of the year that there's going to be a grand final replay, round 16 at the SCG, and it's going to finish in a draw, you'd be desperate to get a hold of that tape. Not this one. Some pretty frank <laughs> assessment yeah. from Chris Scott, who I thought it was interesting post-game. Didn't have a go at his own players. Coaches are very careful not to do the, that. But he had this to say, I guess, on their efforts and their game plan, and it was a bit of a veiled swipe at the way they conducted the game and played the game from a game plan perspective. I thought it was a poor game of football um, in terms of the skill level. Uh, you know, it feels like we were outplayed for most of it. From a coaching perspective, it was just... It just feels like we played poorly, let them have the game the way they wanted it to be for too long. But yeah, it feels like two points is better than none, and none's probably what we deserve for large parts of it. Now, Limo, when you wander into the John Longwire press conference, post yeah. that, <laughs> horse can be fairly terse, particularly right. with silly questions or questions that have some uh, words that probably aren't as defined as they should be. Yeah. Uh, and it was a draw. They should have won the game. I was a bit worried about what I was going <laughs> to ask Horse. How but, you, you, because TV, you often, if not always, have the first question on Friday night. Yep. Is that, now there's a bit of pressure on the first question. There is. And the, how many, how many drafts of a first question do you go through before you settle on? Uh, what are you going to roll with? Not many. It's usually pretty improvised because I do a new segment and then roll from the new segment straight into the press conference. And sometimes right. I'm late for that press conference because I've been live on oh. air and there's a sl- slight delay on the press conference. <laughs> yes. So they're not as they're not as well prepared as perhaps they should be, Limo, right. all the time. And you know the opposition coach's loss is always going to be dirty. And they yes, pick up yeah. on the nuances of the way you ask the question, all the rest of it. Anyway, Horse, John Longmire was fairly positive post-game last night despite the draw. Uh, well, in particular, I thought we played pretty well. I thought we were we were um, very strong in, in all aspects of the game. You know, that's um, except the finishing, and so you know, that's an important part of the game. If you look at the you know the the way the game was played in that first half, we did everything right except finish it and uh, finish the work off on the scoreboard. So that was disappointing. A few other talking points from last night: uh, Zach Tui. Uh, equaled the game's record for an Irish player, equaling Jim Steins with 264. He's done that sort of by stealth. That's an incredible record. Yeah. Like, he doesn't probably get the accolades that he deserves, Zach Tui. That's an amazing record. He has been a great player uh, for the Catters. Brad Close tackled Aaron Francis last night, pinned one arm, and you could tell during the tackle he was trying to do the right thing. He was trying to hold him up. He was trying to turn Aaron Francis onto himself. But Aaron Francis is just too big for him. Giving away a lot of size. So what else are you meant to do? What I else? asked you about that post-game and so made that point. They fell forward. Uh, Aaron Francis hit his head, but the MRO will look at this, won't they? What do you think will happen? They will look at it. I have a feeling that close will be okay, but this is MRO lotto on these dangerous tackles. That wasn't even a free kick by way of example last, yeah. last night. So the officiating umpires didn't even give it a free kick. If, if uh, Sydney come out and say, oh, Aaron Francis is concussed today then that would definitely mean a game, won't it? Probably, yeah, because of the impact. And if he's not concussed, it might be just a fine? Or no. Could he still get a game? 
I'm not prepared. To, this is unusual for me, Limo. Honestly, <laughs> I speculate on all types of things. Ask uh, Rudy, our team producer here. Yeah. I'm not prepared to speculate on this one. I, I think you'll get off that one close. Right. Mainly on account of the size differential and perhaps the way mm. he was trying to get out of it. But we'll find out tonight at 6 o'clock. Right. I guess we're all, we'll all hold our breath there. Uh, Roaming Brian has been a feature of Friday Night Footy uh, for a few years now. People love Roaming Brian. Uh, where was he last night? Roaming Brian wasn't on last night, A, because there's can't be roaming when you've had a draw, because both rooms are as flat as a tack. So right. we did the uh, post game out on the Oval. The other issue with roaming in Sydney is that the rooms, um, basically all the Swans players go to the left of the rooms as you walk mm. in, and there's a small media area to the right where they sort of warm down. And it's hard because the players go and play all their special music. The Swans have got all these songs they play and all the rest of it. They <laughs> right. go and do that away from prying eyes. So it's quite private the way the Swans conduct it in Sydney. So I dare say there would have been roaming if Geelong won last night, but there pro- probably was in doubt on a, if, if Sydney won. It's just difficult to do roaming in Sydney. The players don't – I wouldn't say they don't engage with it. I don't want to say that, but it's just difficult to do it with the way the rooms are set up there. Right. So if has he done roaming, Brian, on a draw before? Um, oh, there may, may not have been a Friday night draw before. We'll check with BT on air this week uh, about that. Let's hope he can make up for it next Friday night. Uh, but a uh, an interesting game there last night at the SCG. Mel B was there last night too. Scary Spice. Yeah, and on cue when the camera went to her, she was dancing in Sydney gear with personal with a personalised jumper. I was pretty impressed. Someone had put some thought behind that. <laughs> okay, well done. Uh, in town for the Mars Singer, I think they might be. Yeah. Uh... Recording that one at the moment. Um, anyway, Tom Brown, do not go anywhere. We need your, more of your analysis in just a moment. You're listening to Footy Talk. And if you're listening on Apple Podcast, Spotify or Listener, please hit the like button and leave us a review or rating new episodes every day at lunch. You are listening to Footy Talk with your daily dose of footy, the latest news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFL. Limo here today with me, old mate Tom Brown. Uh, Tom, let's go back to Thursday night just briefly. Brisbane absolutely belted Richmond. No Dusty Martin, who I believe stayed at home to try and get Taylor Swift tickets. Is that true? It wouldn't surprise me, but Dusty would get – even Taylor, I reckon, would give Dusty complimentary (laughs) tickets. Surely Dusty Martin can just walk to to any gate at the MCG and go, hey. I own this place. Let me in. Correct. Will you? Um, But we know there's some suspension uh, stories out of uh, Thursday night. Um, The Brisbane forward Lincoln McCarthy been offered one week for his jumper punch – on Camden McIntosh, do you see uh, them appealing that or that going anywhere? Not at this stage. I think you just cop that. I don't like jumper punches. No one does. It's a bit sort of, again, lotto when it comes to the way the AFL interpret those. Mm. But I think that would be a weak limo. The other discussion point was Hipwood taunting Bolter. Jason Dunster was quite strong on this on Fox yeah. during the game. Taunting's popular in American sports. I guess it's the personality of the players coming out. Mm. Uh, but Jason reckons you're getting into people's personal space. It's invading their personal space. And you don't need to do it. So it's created a bit of a debate around that. Yeah. You know what I don't like is when a player is, let's say they're doing up a shoe, doing up a lace or they're just recovering from a hit and they're still on one knee or they're on the ground and a player comes in and knocks them over again. Mm. I think just get, get out of it. And Bolter like, is a premiership player. Hipwood has got huge upside and you don't ever want to be arrogant if you've achieved things. But my point to Hipwood would mm. be just concentrate on winning the flag Kicks a goal and a half a game. I wouldn't say he's underachieved, but he, he he's 
borderline, you know, his highest tally in the season, I think, is 37 goals, Hipwood. So it's not mm. like he's John Coleman. Just calm the farm a bit and just, just put the runs on the board, I reckon, Liam. Right? <laughs> yeah, not John Coleman, mate. All right. Uh, Alistair Clarkson returning to North Melbourne next week, but not in a full coaching capacity. Yeah, so North have announced this officially. He'll return at least on a part-time capacity, assisting Brett Ratton on Monday or early this week, obviously, coming, um, which is great news for Alistair Clarkson and North. Um, he might not return to senior coaching until round 20 or 21. They're going to phase him back into it, which is probably fair enough. There's an interesting discussion around this, Limo, in terms of what would have motivated Clarko. You know Clarko. He's a fierce competitor. Yes. Rats is doing a good job. You know, Clarko wants to return north to success. Mm. Obviously, he has had these terrible issues and uh, stress involved in the way he's been treated as part of the racism investigation. Yep. But uh, I reckon Clarko would have been itching in the end to, to, to get back in some capacity this season, just to sort of get back on the horse. Uh, absolutely. He is a fierce competitor and would be desperate uh, for North Melbourne to have success uh, while he's coaching there. And, and I think being back coaching and back in the coach's box is the best place for him to be. Yeah. Um, and he, he, as we know, he's a great coach, and I can't wait to see him uh, taking the reins again. Mind you, Rat, Rats has done a great job. A lot of people have been very happy with Brett Ratton up until I now. think he's proved again that he's an AFL-level coach. Now, we know mm. with the politics of football, and he might not even want to return to senior coaching. I think he's enjoying his life at the moment. Don't get me wrong. But um, Rats is an AFL-level coach. There's no doubt about that. I know, obviously, St Kilda thought differently in them, which is their right. But uh, he's a good coach, Brett Ratton. Mm. There's no doubt about that. Just a quick one. You know the politics at Hawthorne. Obviously, Clarko won't coach, it looks like, against Hawthorne in the next couple of weeks. Yep. Um, how real is that tension at the moment between Clarko and Hawthorne? It seems real from my perspective. We know Sam Mitchell didn't mention your reference yeah. in the Hall of Fame. Look, and they've got a reunion this year for 2013. Th- oh, that is going to be very interesting, that 2013 reunion, to see how that uh, rolls out. Look, I don't really know, but it does seem that the tension's there. I mean... Both Clarko and Fags spoke about how disappointed they were at the way Hawthorne conducted the investigation. Uh, Sam Mitchell didn't mention Clarko in his Hall of Fame speech, which he said was an accident, but you're not buying that. Not necessarily. I mean, I think Sam Mitchell spoke brilliantly, and he was a very well-deserved recipient and inductee in the Hall of Fame. So it sort of overshadowed, in a way, his mm. speech and induction, in a way. But I think that uh, Sam Mitchell doesn't miss when he does an eight- or ten-minute speech. I mean, he, spoke, he mentioned Shane Crawford. Peter Schwab, various other people. So his he, family. He's very – look, I'm a Sam Mitchell fan, and I think he'll be a great coach. So do I. Moving forward. I think and he I is think a very good coach. I think through on Thursday night. I think if you were a bit off Sam Mitchell or you didn't understand him – and, and I, I haven't had a lot of contact with Sam Mitchell over the years, but it resonated on uh, Tuesday night that he is a got a brilliant football mind, yeah. fought against the odds to have his success. Like it wasn't sort of laid out for him. He was obviously undersized, all those types of things. Had an incredible career. And, uh, geez, a good kick, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, he was very <laughs> and, handy. And, and his coaching and how he could be successful in that, and we expect he, he will be, that came through in his speech on Tuesday night. Speaking of coaches, Damien Hardwick, will he be coaching the Gold Coast Suns next year? It's certainly an informal view you hear from sources that the AFL would like. Andrew Dillon would like Damien Hardwick to coach the Gold Coast Suns uh, next can year. I, can I just stop you there? What's yeah. this got to do with the AFL? The AFL... Limo write all the checks for the Gold Coast and the Giants. They cost the AFL the best part of twenty-five or thirty million dollars a year uh, mm. in money. Um, so any Mark Evans is a good CEO. Don't get me wrong at the Gold Coast Suns, but.
but the decisions all go through the AFL because they're writing the checks. They're the ones that commission the club. It's had limited success so far, and clearly the AFL would like them to be successful as a as a beacon as to why it was such a great decision. <laughs> and uh, Collingwood are nervous about the game up there today. That's the mail, and there's no doubt. I think Craig McRae's reflected on this during the week. Um, Collingwood without sending two pessimistics just going at the moment. Uh, mm. you know, And I think that the Gold Coast will be formidable this afternoon. That's certainly the view of Collingwood. So it's interesting. Frampton's come back in the side. Um, Ash Johnson's gone out of the side. It'll be interesting to see where they play Cox in the ruck this afternoon or even up forward. So mm-hmm. they're going to try and start playing around with their forward line structure, the Pies, in a bid to get it right before the finals. And McStay, Dan McStay, who they recruited into the club from Brisbane, is playing in the VFL this weekend. He's had that persistent finger issue for, that's basically kept him out for the most part of the year. Uh, plenty going on there. We do need to wrap this up in a moment. Essendon and Port uh, playing tonight. Can you see Essendon getting over Port? No, Port worry me um, as a Pies fan. Uh, they are in unbelievable form. I think Port will be too strong for the Bombers tonight. Having said that, the Bombers keep surprising uh, just when you think they're about to drop off the pace. So it's a big night for Bombers fans. And how much will Hawthorne beat Carlton by tomorrow? Hawthorne, <laughs> you've set me up there. Hawthorne, I don't think will beat Carlton. I think the Blues will beat Carlton. The Blues aren't necessarily as bad as some people think. They've had a disappointing season. There's no, you can't uh, gild a lily there. But uh, I think Carlton will beat Hawthorne, Limo. I'm sorry. And finally, Tom Brown, you did it for us on Dead Set Legends. Can you do it for us again? You're a massive Taylor Swift fan. Can you give us a rundown of the jets that Taylor Swift has in her private jet collection? Oh, you mentioned this today, didn't we? Yes. Yeah, Taylor's got the Falcon 900 jet limo, which is a French jet, as opposed to the Gulfstream or the Global Express, which are American and Canadian variants. Yes. It's got the three <laughs> engines, which adds a bit of safety. She's got the personalised tailplate. Yeah. And I'm a cl- keen devotee and uh, follower of Taylor's private jet antics. She's got very good taste in private jets. Right. I like her music too. Did you manage to get a ticket to the concert? No, not yet. I, we, had a, we had a sensible discussion around the cost of the tickets and decided against it, but now I'm going to have to, right. I'm gonna have to get, get, on the, get on the bike and try and find some free tickets, which I think will be impossible. You're a very well-connected man. If anyone can find them, you can, Tom Brown. Thank you very much for joining us on Footy Talk. If you have a question for us, get on Instagram at footytalk underscore pod or footytalkpod on TikTok. Tomorrow, we'll go around the grounds and analyse all the action from the Saturday Games.